0: Teacher in Zion podcast, a podcast for Christians, Mormons, ex-Mormons, and other Book of Mormon believers, or anyone questioning their faith or the church, with an emphasis on seeking the truth wherever it leads, but especially in gaining a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. This is your host, Doug Hatton, aka Teacher in Zion, recording from my home office in Independence, Missouri. Thanks for joining us today. This is episode 29 of the podcast, and today I want to share some emails I've received from listeners like yourself, because it is my belief that it's an encouraging thing for us to hear the testimonies of others, or simply to know that other people are asking similar questions, or are on a similar journey as ourselves. I'd like to begin with Craig and Leslie from Utah, whom I've now corresponded with a few times. Leslie writes... I recently came across your podcast and have enjoyed listening. I'm just amazed. So much of what you have shared are the same things I've been pondering and ruminating upon. It is such a beautiful thing to hear things I have been wondering about stated back to me in such a clear way. It's just been such a blessing to feel that I'm not alone. And it has given me so much hope that perhaps I'm being led more than I often feel that I am. Episode 3 on The Church was especially amazing. I don't know how many times I verbally shouted out yes as I was listening to that one. I have been led to some amazing books about amazing people who built their lives upon Christ. People from all backgrounds, geographical areas, and denominations. And these have so powerfully solidified in my soul the teaching in the Book of Mormon that there are really only two churches and that the Church of Christ isn't really a church at all, at least not in the conventional sense of church. I have begun to more fully understand that religion is what man does to God's gospel that ends up keeping us from Him." Wow, what a profound statement Leslie makes right there. Getting back to her letter, she writes, The gospel really is as simple as the scriptures teach. Coming to Him, and following him. I just wanted to share that and express gratitude to God for leading me to your podcast. I did have one question for you. I listened to a couple of the episodes on priesthood. I think they were the one about priesthood becoming an idol and the one on women's ministry. And if I'm understanding correctly, you suggest that prior to Sidney Rigdon coming on the scene, the term priesthood was not really used, rather authority was. I am just curious about your thoughts on the accounts of the restoration of the priesthood, the appearance of John the Baptist, and Peter, James, and John. I was introduced a while back to the idea that Elijah probably did not appear to Joseph in the Kirtland Temple, so I am wondering if these other accounts might also be fabricated. Quote. I do want to mention here that I did respond to the question regarding the restoration of the priesthood by presenting the facts as we know them. But I will be covering this subject in much more detail in a future episode and hopefully, with the help of God, we'll be able to make sense of what did and did not happen and discover what that means for us. I want to thank Leslie and Craig for writing and being willing to let me share some of their story so that others can hear about where they are on their spiritual journey. The next email I would like to share comes from a listener who prefers to remain anonymous to protect her family, so we'll call her by fictitious name, Cassidy. Cassidy writes, I just wanted to take a moment to thank you for your podcast. As a woman, your episode on the Ministry Women really spoke to my heart, and I could feel the Spirit's warmth as I listened, testifying to me that the words you shared are true. I'm still seeking to understand how God wants me to be a part of His work. I was also blown away by episode 19, where you talked about a man's prophecy that when the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl again, that it would be a sign that the revival was coming soon. My husband and I watched that game, but as I listened to your podcast and heard you share this prophecy, I realized that I woke up to the truth shortly after the Kansas City Chiefs won. I am the mother of five wonderful kids. I grew up in the LDS church. And it was the question about polygamy that kept nudging me. I had questions and concerns about polygamy for years, but I put them on the back burner because it challenged my testimony of the church. A couple of years ago, I finally decided to study it out with a determination to find the truth rather than hope that what I found would prove my church is true. I am so grateful I searched because it woke me up to so many other things and helped me to see that I had wrongfully and dangerously put my trust in the arm of flesh. In fact, I had idolized many of the church leaders. In any case, I just thought I would share how I personally was revitalized spiritually at around that time, and so the prophecy really struck me. What I really wanted to email you about, though, was episode 14, Ask Them Who I Am. I listened to this episode just last night. It was another confirmation of my own experience. It was only a little over a month ago that I finally understood what God was so patiently trying to teach me. For years, I finally learned that Jesus Christ is my Father in heaven. He is God. He is the one I have felt close to as I pray. You see, for years, I felt a distance from Christ. I felt like I was close to Heavenly Father because I talked to Him as I prayed. But I felt like I could never feel close to Christ because we are taught to only pray to the Father. So I felt like I had never talked to my Savior once in my life. It bothered me. I felt a distance. But when I finally understood who God was, so many things started to make sense. What I really loved hearing in your episode was your emphasis on Peter finally recognizing who Christ was through the Spirit. That is how it was for me. A few seeds were planted over the years, but it was His Spirit that taught me this truth in full force. Once my mind finally grasped the concept, and I reflected on the times over the years that He planted seeds for me to one day recognize this truth, I was filled with the Spirit and overcome with joy. It has changed my life to understand who Christ is, what my Father in Heaven personally did for me." What a beautiful statement. For me, this was also a profound, life-altering revelation to comprehend that God didn't just send someone else to die for our sins, but that He Himself paid that price. Returning to Cassidy's letter, she writes, I wanted to share an experience I had three or four years ago. As a woman, this really helped me and was a part of my journey in discovering who Christ is. Although it may seem kind of unusual, as a woman, I've always had a hard time trusting that God loves me. He has shown me over the years that He does, but the priesthood culture in the church and also Brigham Young's teachings about polygamy really challenged my trust in God and in His love. Keep in mind that at this time in my life, I believed Christ was not God. I saw Him as a brother and a savior, as the LDS Church teaches. I believed that there was a Father, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost, who were all male, who made up the Godhead. In the church, we are taught that we have a Heavenly Mother as well, so knowing that Mother wasn't included in the Godhead also was another reason my trust in God's love wavered. I would ask myself, why is Mother not in the Godhead? Why is she completely ignored? Why do we know nothing about her? Is this a pattern for women here on earth and in the eternities? Also, Brigham Young taught that the more wives and children a man had, the higher his glory as a god in the celestial kingdom. So it was like men were the center and women were just an orbiting means to an end. All these things really broke my heart. Heaven looked very bleak to me. It's hard to explain, but I just really felt hopeless. I had prayed about Heavenly Mother asking Father these questions and telling him my concerns, but I don't recall receiving an answer. One day, a few years ago, I felt a prompting to ask again. So I knelt down and poured out my heart in humility to God. I asked about Mother in Heaven, and also sought to understand if she was happy or miserable. I also wanted to know this because, at the time, I believed that men became gods and women goddesses in the celestial kingdom so I was also trying to understand my potential destiny. As I asked about Heavenly Mother, I was surprised when immediately I felt a mother's loving arms around me. I felt her joy and her glory. I had never had an experience like this before because I could see her in my mind's eye, although the vision was fuzzy. I had never had a vision before. This experience really stuck with me. A couple years later, one of my close friends whom I had never shared this experience with, was going through a hard time and knelt down to pray. She expressed to God that she really needed to feel a mother's love right then. She had a visual come to her mind of a mother with her arms wrapped around her daughter. She hurried and sketched it on a scrap piece of paper she had. She was an artist. She felt prompted to give it to me. When she gave it to me, I was blown away because it was like she sketched my experience was another confirmation to me that my experience was from God. Then a little later, God put a wonderful new friend in my life. She moved here and became my neighbor. She grew up Catholic but was on her own spiritual journey. She planted a seed about who Christ really is. She had come to her convictions through the Spirit's teaching. I was open-minded to Christ being God. I thought it was a beautiful concept. But I couldn't make sense of it with the experience that I had. One day, a little over a month ago, as I was studying the scriptures, it was like God lit up my mind and I was able to finally see what He wanted me to see. That experience I had with Mother was Him. He is both the love of a father and a mother. And He is my Savior. He is everything male and female were created in His image. We are like two halves of a whole. We need each other to understand the different characteristics of God. God knew I needed a mother's love. He knew I couldn't understand yet who He was, but He so patiently and lovingly gave me what I needed at that time, and He knew that one day I would understand. When my mind finally was able to grasp this, I was filled with so much love and gratitude for God. His Spirit confirmed to me that this was the truth. I just wanted to share my experience with you because when you mentioned Peter finally understanding through the Spirit who Christ really is, I knew that it was true. It really is something that we can only know for ourselves through the Spirit. People might plant seeds by sharing truth, or we might have experiences where we learn line upon line, and these things prepare us for the truth. Or we might logically know from reading scriptures, but knowing who Christ really is, that he is God, is something that we will only know through the Spirit. I am so grateful for this. End quote. What a tremendous testimony. Thank you, dear sister, for taking the time to communicate your journey with me and allowing me to share it with others. Alexander Tibbetts recently commented in regards to episode 26, The Politics of Fear, and in it he stated, I can understand the sympathies of both sides of the political aisle, and there is some truth in what they say, but the adversary is an expert in manipulating aspects of the truth for his own purposes. And sometimes, a partial truth is more dangerous than a total lie. This is a topic which brothers Mike Barrett and Shane Robinson have been discussing on the Restored Gospel podcast recently. I have also linked to an article by a gentleman by the name of Mark West. He writes rather persuasively of his belief that political power is inherently demonic, a conclusion he reached after running for governor of Arkansas under the Libertarian Party Ticket. As believers who have access to the truths contained in the inspired version account of Genesis, or for LDS, that's going to be in the Book of Moses. And also in the Book of Mormon, there is little doubt that the adversary wields tremendous power over the political affairs of this world, and in particularly among those who enter into secret combinations after the manner of Cain. Mr. West also addressed the temptations of Christ as recorded in the New Testament, I am sure we would all agree that Christ could have turned the stones into bread or called down angels from heaven to save him from bodily harm. But did the adversary really have the power to give Christ all the kingdoms of this world? Let us ask ourselves this. Does Satan ever tempt someone, even Jesus Christ, with something which is not a real temptation that he could give us? Again, I believe we can find our answers in the scriptures. End quote. Thank you, Alexander. This brother often reaches out to encourage me and share valuable thoughts on the various topics covered in the podcast. Although we don't really know each other very well yet, I consider him a brother and someone I look forward to getting to know better. Trisha in Idaho is someone I recently started following on Facebook. I really appreciate her and others I've recently gotten to know for their bravery in openly asking questions and sharing the truth as the Holy Spirit is revealing it in her life. I have asked her to come on the show, and she has agreed, so I won't share too much here, except briefly something she shared from her husband in response to the podcast. She wrote, My husband drives seven to eight hours to work, so he has lots of time to listen to podcasts. I sent him your podcast this morning, which is funny, because as it turns out, he had already listened to a couple of your episodes recently. He had let me know that he had shared episode 22 on the ministry of women with a group of friends. His comment was, This is one of the best, most powerful podcasts I've heard. I've always felt that women are underappreciated, underspoken, and underheated." I think of the paradigm of my life this last year. I felt like the project was to build a homestead. But what has really happened was this lesson of servitude I am learning as I sleep in my car to serve my wife and kids. I truly believe that if a man can't genuinely serve and counsel with his wife, the Lord will be very disappointed. Thank you ladies for all you do. I love your examples, and I always look forward to the thoughts and ideas that you have to share. End quote. What a wonderful statement from a husband. And now from another listener named Elise, and she wrote, I am in 100% agreement that Jesus didn't make a mistake or walk on eggshells by not choosing a woman to be one of his 12 disciples. And I'm completely comfortable with the idea that men are best suited for some roles and women for others. I think what has irked and confused me is that God does give spiritual gifts to women, and the church has basically told them not to walk in those gifts. So we are expected to believe that God wants there to be less of Him and His power operating in the church? Do we believe that helping the brokenhearted by casting out demons in Jesus' name or laying hands and praying for the sick is sinful for women? Should a woman with a high level of discernment be disregarded? I can't imagine that this is God's will. I don't pretend to know exactly what this should look like, but I agree that something is amiss with how the church has approached this over the years. Thank you, Elise. I don't believe that it is God's will either. More importantly, I believe the Lord is beginning to open the understanding of many on this subject. And I look forward to discovering the truth and seeing the ministry that God intended for women to become more fully manifest in the body of Christ in these last days. And with that thought, I'd like to give a shout out to Katie Hoyer and Lauren Staten, who have both encouraged and befriended me. They've become my partners in seeking to better understand the ministry of women as they both continue to seek those answers from the Lord regarding what He has in mind for them. I really appreciate you, too, and I look forward to having you on the podcast in the future. Another listener, a man who will remain anonymous, emailed me the following. Greetings. I'm a lifelong LDS of 64 years. I've always had a nagging feeling that something wasn't quite right. The past couple of years, I started digging and listening and watching a few people that ascribe to the doctrine of Christ not being taught as it should. My wife and I have decided to stop paying tithe to the church. It's going directly to the poor and the needy or the sick. Anyway, thank you so much for your videos and audios. You are very concise and a great teacher. I'm curious what your thoughts are on baptism. Do either or any of the churches have the authority? One of my issues was that I was only eight when I was baptized. End quote. You know, questions of the validity of a person's baptism, or whether or not there is proper authority in the church or elsewhere for baptism, is a frequent question I have gotten from a number of listeners. As a result, I recorded and published episode 23, which is entitled, Is My Baptism Valid? So, if you have a similar question to this and haven't done so already, you might listen to that episode. And one thing I would like to say is that there really is no way for me or anyone else other than God himself, to know where someone currently stands in their covenant with him. Although these kinds of questions are perfectly normal, and it is good that we can discuss these things together and fellowship with others regarding our concerns, something that people who are from a restoration background, myself included, have to unlearn is that tendency that we were instilled with to go to certain men whom we see as may be authoritative or who has answers, to give us those answers we stand in need of. As a teacher, I feel led to share and teach various truths that apply to all of us in a general sense. But when it comes to a more personal inquiry, one of the best things any teacher can do is point people in the right direction and allow the Bible and the Book of Mormon and the Holy Spirit to reveal the answer to that person. For it is the Holy Spirit who ultimately confirms the truth of all things. I know I had to go to the Lord myself in regards to the authority of my own baptism. And I know that he will give you those answers. Remember, Alma went out into the wilderness because the church in his time was corrupt. And he baptized himself. You know, the Lord knows our heart. And I believe it is accounted to us as righteousness when we desire to do what is right before him and we can trust that He will lead us as we need to be led. In another email, a man named Josh wrote to me and said, I want to write and tell you how much I've enjoyed your podcast. I've been listening for about a month before you were on the Restored Gospel podcast. I came across your videos after YouTube put one in my feed, and then I looked up your podcast. Anyway, I've appreciated hearing your views and listening to your experiences. I've listened to Restored Gospel Podcast for a couple of years now and have had conversations with Corey for probably about a year. Over the last two years, with prodding from Mike and Corey on the podcast, I dove into the Book of Mormon and have come to many of the same opinions regarding the traditions of men and the need for a change of mind. I really love seeing how the Lord is bringing people to this rediscovery, so to say, of His truth. I enjoyed your podcast with Mike and Shane, and I look forward to your future podcasts." Thank you, Josh, for reaching out. I very much enjoyed being a guest on the Restored Gospel podcast, and I would highly recommend it for anyone who is interested in hearing podcasts like the one that you're listening to now. Moving on, I received this email from a man who will remain anonymous. Hello, Teacher in Zion. I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But, during the time frame of the pandemic, I began feeling that something was very wrong, and I had been searching for understanding, which has taken me on quite a journey and coming to recognize that all was not as I had supposed, and it began to highlight concerns with leadership of the Church following the death of Joseph Smith. I have been praying that I might receive the truth, whatever that might be, And I am therefore so grateful to have come across your podcast on YouTube. I have felt the Spirit confirm truth in much of what you've shared, and I wish to express my gratitude to you. I look forward to hearing your future releases. Thank you, brother, for taking the time to write. May you continue to spiritually prosper as you seek the truth and draw ever closer to the Lord. I want to take a moment here and let you know that recently I've been averaging about one to two emails from listeners a day, and it is very encouraging to find so many people seeking and desiring to forsake dead religion and come more fully unto Christ. I'll share just two more letters, and then we'll close this episode of the podcast. Some time back, I received an email from a Drew Lottie who wrote, My name is Drew, and I just listened to two of your podcasts, the one on polygamy and your introduction. The reason they resonated with me is that in those two, you spoke truth. I totally believe that Joseph never practiced nor taught it, speaking of polygamy. It was Brigham Young. There is a movie out which is called, Who Killed Joseph Smith?, It really makes one think that the reason Joseph and Hiram were murdered was to cover up polygamy that some of the apostles were practicing. My father was raised in independence and was a member of the reorganized church until he was converted to the LDS church. I was a true blue Mormon for 75 years, serving three missions, a temple worker for 16 years, a bishop, etc., I resigned last year after finding out many cracks in Mormonism as it is today. I am with a group that studies the scriptures and does podcasts concerning the doctrine of Christ. Thank you for what you do. Continue to listen to Christ. Signed, a friend. Thank you, Drew, for reaching out. In closing, I want to share just a bit from someone whose identity must remain anonymous for reasons that will become clear. This man reached out to me on Facebook a few months ago. He is currently a member of a stake high council in the LDS church. For practical purposes, we'll call him James. James has also served in other high offices of leadership in the church. I'll leave out those details so as to be sure not to give his identity away. He initially reached out to ask me some questions, but he also shared with me a bit of his own path of discovery. When I asked how he was doing in regards to his feelings towards the church, he said, I am physically in, but mentally out. He went on to say that many are waking up in the church, and that he even met with a bishop just the week before, who is also waking up. As we conversed, he went on to say, If a person leaves the LDS church, there is a fear present, a fear of, where do I go now? what do I do now? It's kind of paralyzing, speaking from experience. And then there is the shunning. And divorce, or the fear of divorce. It's a very real thing. The programming in the church is dark and very effective. He then goes on to confess to me, I'm trying to find my way through all of this. End quote. I truly appreciate this brother for coming forward. It makes my heart heavy, knowing what a great dilemma he faces, and what a great dilemma many other people face at this time. At the same time, I also feel encouraged, knowing that he is not alone, that none of us are alone in this journey. We may yet be small in number, but those numbers grow each day. God is calling his elect to come out from sin and to come out from our dead religions. He is calling out to a remnant who, by their faith in Christ, are members of the only true church there is. That church is not an institution or an organization, but a living body composed of all those people everywhere who love the truth and who hearken unto the voice of our Savior. And that spiritual church has just one head, even Jesus Christ who is, according to the Book of Mormon, the very eternal God. May we rejoice knowing that he is coming for us, and that there is but one shepherd who is calling us into one flock, even the kingdom of God. I hope you have been blessed as you've listened to these testimonies today. There are so many others. Perhaps we'll do something like this again in the future. Until next time, God bless. Join us for discussion in our Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash hope of Zion, or at our YouTube channel, teacher in Zion. That's the word teacher space and in Zion spelled as one word. My books can be found at amazon.com forward slash forward slash Douglas Hatton. That's H-A-T like a hat on your head. T-E-N like the number of 10. Until next time.